2: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code STUFF at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Set your website apart.
3: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry. So it's Stuff You Should Know. Oh, is this coming out on uh, Equal Pay Day? I don't think so. Well, Equal Pay Day may have come and gone by now, but it was April 12th, 2016. That's right. And do you remember when we did our This Day in History Weirdo series, our video series? That was pretty great. It was a little odd. It was Lynchian. Uh, it was. But one of, the, uh, one of the ones that we did was on um, uh, Lily Ledbetter. Yeah. And I think it was on Equal Pay Day. Uh, I think I remember it. But we mentioned yeah. Lily Ledbetter. For sure. Um, but Equal Pay Day, for those of you not in the know, is a day in the United States um, where working women who work full-time year-round would have to work until to get the equal amount of pay that their male counterparts got for the year before.
2: Right. So it is 2016. Yeah. So take uh, our pay for 2015. And Well, don't take our pay. We want to keep that. But take a man's pay, a real man's sure. pay right, from 2015, and a woman in the same position would have to work. I mean, it changes every year, right? The date?
1: Uh, if the amount of pay changes or the pay disparity changes.
2: Right. But the significance of that date would be like a woman has to work until April whatever of to the make, following year yeah. to make as much as the man made in the previous year. Right. I think I just basically said the same thing you said. Sure. Just in a weird way, and this is this is nothing new actually. This
1: idea that there is a disparity, a pay gap, if you will, between men and women in the United States, and actually it's around the world. Um, and the idea behind it is that women's work is just inherently less valued than men's work. Um, and there's a lot of debate over this. Yeah, Barack Obama in a State of the Union address in I don't remember the year. Said, it might have been his last one, where he said, um, women make 79% of what men make. Yeah. And that's not okay. We need to do something about
2: that. That kind of sounded like Obama. Thanks. Man. Thanks. Look at you. I like, I looked up for a minute and I was like, is President Obama in the room? (laughs) You really did look up. You guys couldn't see it, but Chuck really did look up. That was good. Uh, this, uh, the National Committee on Pay Equity is who, um, who began holding equal pay day right. uh, in 1996, but um, apparently was it in uh, 1950 uh, is when they started kind of gathering data on this?
1: Yeah, I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics really started looking at it hard in the 50s. But uh, the pay disparity goes back way further than that. Yeah, right, basically it, to the beginning of the country.
2: Yeah, to so when people started working and earning money. Sure. And when women were even allowed to work.
1: We need to do an episode just on wage labor and the origin of it and the history of it. Yeah. It's super fascinating. Interesting.
2: Uh, so go back in time some. Uh, things used to be a lot worse, believe it or not. Um, women earned 30 cents on the dollar uh, in the early, at the dawn of America, uh, when we were uh, farming mainly. Um, during the Industrial Revolution, things got a little bit better, about 50%. Um, up to 50%. Um, but here's the distressing thing. Um, in 1963, uh, Congress passed the Equal Pay Act. Right. And since then, it was about 60% for a little while. But in the 80s, it climbed up to 75%. And then 30 years later, it's only climbed up 4%. Yeah. It's basically stagnated. Yeah. It's very much leveled off.
1: And the sad thing is, is what you're seeing then is as... Men's wages grow, women's wages aren't growing then. Um, it's a, it's, a, and it's a big deal. It's a big problem because, um, women are losing out on a tremendous amount of money over their lifetimes. Yeah. Um, just for what seems to be gender discrimination. And I want to say now before anybody just loses their mind. There are a lot of theories behind this. Yes. And gender discrimination is one of them, but none of them are um, actually proven necessarily.
2: No. And like most things, I think it's probably a combination of many, many things. Most
1: likely. But, but as I was saying, whatever the cause, yeah. women are losing out on a lot of money. So, for example, Chuck, in 2011, a 25-year-old woman earned about five grand less per year than her male counterpart. Yes. And this is just woman who worked full-time year-round Man who worked full time year round at age twenty five. Right. And five grand you're like, Yeah, that's that's a lot. You can see a lot of movies. With five grand, you can. But when you add it up over uh, the woman's career, and by the time she makes it to sixty-five, she will have lost out on four hundred thirty thousand dollars in wages compared to her male counterpart.
2: Yeah, that is, if that remains consistent throughout her career, that's a lot of dough. That's
1: a lot of movies.
2: Uh, and this is uh, these are white women. It gets much worse if you uh, go across the races. Um, an African American woman, uh, the figure dips to sixty percent, sixty point five. Uh, Hispanic females even worse. Uh, and by the way, we're going to say male and female because we're talking about studies here. Yeah, lay off. Um, 54%, 546 for Hispanic women. And uh, only Asian women did better than white women. Yeah. Uh, with uh, 83.5% of what their white male counterparts made.
1: Yeah, and eye-openingly, uh, if you look at the earners in the United States, white men are not the top. Uh, Asian men are actually the top earners. They earn on average in 2014 113.5% more than white men really uh-huh interesting um and there's I want to say something too also the equal payday where a woman would have to work to to make the yep. wages that's a white woman would have to work to april 12th right if you are an african american woman you would have to work until june to make the, what the average or the median pay of a white man. Yeah. For the
2: year before. A Latina woman all the way into October. Yeah. So it's like it almost, I mean, it's almost like twice as long. Right. All right. So here is, um, here's how it's determined. And this is one of the, one of the problems with trying to get behind the reasons. Cause it's one thing to, to talk about this stuff, but what, unless you can make change and help this out, then it's just talking about it. Like, to make a difference, you need to really understand the underlying problems.
1: Oh, behind yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think step one is what's being done now and has been done since 1996, shining a spotlight on it. Sure. Absolutely. You know? And I think step one is being undertaken still. That we're trying to understand it. But, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not settled. Like, here's the problem. Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: so one of the problems in trying to, to – is is data and getting really good data. Um, the, the way they get the pay gap figure – is they uh, take all the women working full time year round, yep. find their median salary. It's not an average. Uh, median is in the middle, right? Um, and then they take that same calculation for men, and they say, "Well, subtract those two, and this is the wage gap."
1: Okay, so that's actually the um, the earnings ratio, right? So when you see something like uh women make 79% of what men make. Yeah. That's very frequently and this article does it all over the place. It's called the the wage gap. That's not the wage gap. That's the earnings ratio. Okay. The wage gap would be 21%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, but it's it's confusing like because if you think about it you're like, wow, the wage gap is 79% and the wage gap is 21%. The earnings right. ratio is 79%. Yes. But people tend to use that bigger number because it's more eye-popping when you're a media mogul.
2: Right you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of people will say that that just that calculation is too broad to draw a conclusion, and it probably is. you need oh, better yeah. data for sure, yeah, um, and this article even points out that you know you can't take that one statistic and and say this is all you need to know about pay inequality, like I don't think anyone's saying that
1: no, well dummies. <laughs>
2: So but the the one thing that does though unfortunately is it, it gives critics a chance to poke holes in it and dismiss it outright. Um, you know.
1: Yeah, because they're saying, okay, let's let's take a step back here. You're taking the median salary for all of the men who worked in the United States full-time in 2014. Yeah, for all professions all
2: jobs. Yeah.
1: And then you're taking the median salary for all the women who worked full time in the United States throughout the entirety of 2014. Right. And that's comparing apples to oranges, they say. Right. And one, there's a number of reasons why they say you're actually comparing apples to oranges. There's a lot of different, um, jobs that are being done. There's a lot of varying educational backgrounds. There's a lot of different, uh, experience backgrounds and you just can't compare the two. So let's not talk about this again. Okay.
2: Right. Now <laughs> what this, the follow up should be. So let's drill down further. Yeah. And get better data and talk about it even in a more detailed way. That's nice. Uh, which some people are doing, which we'll get to. Um, this was fascinating to me about job clustering or occupational clustering. I know about job clustering. You know <laughs> what I mean? uh, 45% of all working women are employed in just 20 fields. Uh, that's, that's crazy. It is crazy. Um, if you look at men, um, about 30 to 35% work in the top 20 occupations for males, right. uh, which are, you know, we're talking a lot of times managerial and supervisional roles. Uh, but
1: also roles that are more physically demanding, too, and may pay more.
2: Yeah, or more dangerous sometimes. Yeah. like They make the point that you'll probably find a man uh working as like a long-haul trucker, although we've heard from quite a few women who, sure. who are doing it. Large March. Have you not seen Pee-Wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> Have you seen the new one yet?
1: Not yet. Is it good? I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait. I'm kind of afraid to. Uh, I did see Stitches the Clown, though, and it, it's it got like a one-star rating. And usually on Netflix, that means like
2: stay away for real. But for you, it means dig in.
1: <laughs> well, I read, I read about it online, too. It made me kind of interested. I don't think I know what that is. It's an Irish black comedy horror movie um, about a clown that was murdered that comes back from the dead to take his revenge in the most gruesome and gory ways possible. They might as
2: well call that... Tailor made for Josh Clark. But
1: it's, it's <laughs> hilarious too. Yeah. Like it's meant to be tongue in
2: cheek. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um.
1: We were talking about how, uh, some women are in the trucking industry.
2: That's right. Uh, but the cluster of occupations for women, um, generally speaking, pay less than the cluster of occupations, uh, that men prefer.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. When you take a woman in the trucking industry salary and compare it to a man in the trucking industry salary, it, it's still going to be less. And then conversely, when you look at a man who who has entered a um, a female dominated field, say like nursing, they're still going to probably make more than their female counterparts.
2: Yeah, uh, elementary school teachers, human resources administrators, the pay gap is only one percent. Um, but it's still there. No, exactly. It's still there. Like, literally, if they compared same experience, same uh, same job, right. working the same amount of hours, yeah. almost always across the board, men will still make more. Even, like you said, if it's nursing, which historically people might think is a job that more women prefer.
1: Uh, what you're talking about, though, Chuck, is called occupational gender segregation. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a big problem here. It, it's saying... Um, we here in the united states really tend to value the work that women do less than the work that men do just by saying these jobs that are traditionally women yeah. uh women staffed are um pay, just traditionally paid less that whole field is
2: yeah and it's and it's not like the 1930s and 40s and 50s where it's like you just go be a secretary now and we'll take care of the business right but there's still it, it's still there to a certain degree yeah i mean there are more women who work as secretaries than men right Um, but I just want to, um, get back to that stat real quick when you were talking about the, the, even when you compared apples to apples, men still made more. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, two to four percent. Um, 534 occupations tracked by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and seven out of the 534 paid women more than men. Yeah. Seven. Seven. Uh, and apparently the most lucrative, if you're a woman, you want to make more than a man. Uh, you should be a respiratory therapist. Because their salaries are 6.4% higher than men's in their field. Right. Uh, should we take a break? Yes. All right. We'll be back uh, with more Staggering Stats.
1: Do, 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 do so, Chuck, you said um, if you compare apples to apples, it's a few percent. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, they like to throw a little wrench in the works. They they surveyed like 534 occupations, you said, um, and when they do their statistics, they use weekly salaries rather than um annual salaries. And they actually come up with a less pay less of a pay gap. But one of the things the internet has given us, one of the great things, is crowdsourcing. And um there are a lot of companies that accrue data as almost like a byproduct or maybe the real under the table product of what they're doing. Yeah. One of those companies is Glassdoor, where you can go look for job listings, but also rate your employer, rate the company. Yeah. And it's basically the masses um reviewing employers, you know? It's a pretty cool idea. Um, and Glassdoor did a study in 2016, just came out this month, as a matter of fact, and they surveyed 505,000 employees. The last Bureau of Labor Statistics thing I saw was like 50,000 people. This is like half a million employees. Yeah. And their salary reports and found that if you compared women who are equally qualified in the same position mm-hmm. at the same company yeah. as a man, uh, they still made on average 5% less. Right. And, and among computer scientists, which I guess is developers and stuff, right, um, the pay gap was the worst, 28%. For a woman in the same position, equally qualified at the same company as a man. And this is like brand new data that just came out.
2: Well, one of the reasons they say um, this is ongoing is that uh, maybe women don't know that they're not making as much as their male counterparts. Yeah. Because we still are in a, in a, I guess, society or at least a work environment most times where you're not only not encouraged to talk about your pay, but some companies like. Prohibited. Yeah, so you can't talk about your pay. Exactly. With your fellow employees. Right. And
1: I mean, I guess as draconian as it is. You can kind of understand where the company's coming from because they want to get away paying their workforce as little as possible. Yeah. So they don't want their workforce comparing salaries and realizing that people are being paid substantially different stuff, right? True. Still, it's mean to to <laughs> say like, no, you can't talk about your salary that yeah. we pay you. To this other person, be quiet, you know? Yeah. And there's been a lot of reform that we'll talk about as far as that's concerned. But that's a big thing is there appears to be among a lot of women this idea. And I'm sure a lot of men too don't realize this as well that there, there is a gender pay disparity. Yeah. And part of the reason why is because of a lack of transparency.
2: Yeah. Um, last year, um, last May, those, uh, woman named Lauren Vosswinkel uh, got on Twitter and said, here's a new hashtag. Um, Talkpay T A L K P A Y and said tweet out your job titles how experienced you are right. uh where you've been in life and what your salary is uh and then at Talkpay Anon came out which is a probably smarter way cuz it's anonymous <laughs> yeah. um and about well there were a lot of tweets but uh, most of them were of course people just you know complaining Trolling. and well, I'm sure there were plenty of trolls too uh but just you know complaining about the situation which is fine but uh, about 1,300 actually tweeted their actual salary. Uh, and a lot of people say this is kind of one of the first steps is at least getting the information out there. Uh, so a woman might say, wait a minute, you make $4,000 more than me for no reason at all? That's right. And uh, there are websites, too, um, where you can compare things. There's one called uh, Payscale yeah. and one called Comparably. Right. It's a little awkward title. Beautiful. That it make, it's like cellar door. It, make, it makes sense. Uh, I believe you mentioned some of the things that are doing uh, that the government is doing. Right. Um, President Obama signed an executive order in 2014.
1: So that's when, as you say, the union address must have come.
2: Oh, was it probably? Um, he barred federal contractors from punishing an employee for comparing their salary. Yeah. Uh, and a memorandum on those same uh, contractors. To submit data, compensation data, if uh, there was any, uh, to see if there was any wage discrimination going on.
1: Right. So, if you worked at a company that was a government contractor and you're a woman who suddenly got an unexpected raise in pay, it may have had something to do with that. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, California actually also is leaning the way on this. They, uh, what is his name, Jerry Brown, the governor, the second time around, um, he signed into law this this. Um, act that prevents companies from punishing employees for talking about their pay, yeah. their salaries. Um, and it mandates, at first mandated same pay for the same work, which is actually the language in um, the uh, Civil Rights Act, Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act, says you have to pay people the same pay for the same work, regardless of their um, gender, of their um, race, of their religion, any of that. They still have to get the same pay. Uh, and women are protected by that as well. But, you know, that was 1963, I think. And the, the specificity of the language, same work for same pay. Yeah. Is, it's, it's so specific that it's just easy to get around. You just say, well, it's not the same work. Right. I'm not going to give these people the same title or whatever. Um, with the California legislation kind of opened that and said you have the same pay for the substantially same work. Right. You know?
2: Yeah, and the uh, Equal Pay Act of 1963 specifically says uh, employers may not pay unequal wages to men and women who perform jobs that require substantially equal skill, effort, mm-hmm. and responsibility and that are performed under similar working t- uh, conditions within the same establishment. And then it goes down to break down what is defined as skill, effort. Responsibilities, working conditions, and establishment. So it, it definitely gets like way more specific, right? Which is good. And apparently,
1: the reason why California is leading the way on this is because Sel- Silicon Valley is one of the worst offenders out of all of them.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and, where and that ca- it's California. That's, that's where, well, that. sure.
1: They also signed a fifteen dollars minimum wage into law recently too.
2: Yeah. Should we talk more about Lily Ledbetter?
1: Yeah, because I mean, if you want to talk uh, wage equality law you you got to talk Lily Ledbetter.
2: So she worked for Goodyear Tire. And uh, over the years, I think she worked there for 19 years. She was uh, given low rankings and annual performance in salary reviews pretty consistently in low raises compared to her fellow employees. All right. So she sued them. And a jury initially said, you win $3.5 million. Uh, and then a district court. And Goodyear court, was like,
1: what? We can't afford
2: that? <laughs> uh Goodyear I'm sorry um a district judge later said let's reduce that from 3.5 million to 360,000 and Goodyear was like still <laughs> well they did cuz they appealed um basically what they did was they cited a title uh, title 7 provision that said any discrimination uh complaint needs to be made within 180 days of the uh, of the bad deed basically of the uh, conduct
1: of yes of you they give you your first paycheck mm-hmm. and it's discriminatory pay then you have 180 days so this lady worked for 18 and a half years longer yeah. than she could have uh, submitted a title 7 complaint which is bs
2: that's right and they basically eventually said well what you can do is you can only sue for the last 180 days worth of discriminatory conduct And then it went to the Supreme Court of the United States and she lost by a 5-4 vote, uh, basically holding to that claim that it was time sensitive.
1: Yeah, it's just – I mean the idea that like you get your first paycheck – and you just immediately go, well, this is discriminatory. Well, yeah, you don't even I've know. I got sick. Right. This woman worked for 19 years without realizing it. And the reason why she finally did come to understand it was because a coworker passed her an anonymous note, um, telling her so at her retirement, basically. So she had been. Played for a SAP basically by Goodyear, as far as the lower courts are concerned, right. for 19 years. But because 19 years earlier, in 1979, she didn't immediately recognize that she was getting less pay. So, like, you have to basically be uh, Inspector Clouseau the first time you get paid to to get a successful Title VII complaint cleared by the courts. Yeah. It's just ridiculous.
2: Uh, in dissent, I love reading the the. Supreme Court, like when they actually, you know, write mm-hmm. why they f- find it in favor or not. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her dissent called it uh, out of tune with the realities of wage discrimination and, quote, a cramped interpretation of Title seven incompatible with the statute's broad remedial purpose, end quote. So basically, like the whole purpose of this. Like, you're just shirking the whole purpose of this thing right.
1: to begin with. Yeah, the purpose isn't to protect corporations from lawsuits. Right. It's so that you keep employees from getting screwed over by their employers. So, uh, again, Obama came in with another thing. He signed into law the Lilly Ledbetter Act, which said, oh, we'll stick to the 180 days thing, but that's from the last discriminatory paycheck. So she could have found out at her retirement um gotten her last paycheck and had six months to sue for the whole shebang, her whole career, basically, and probably would have won had that law been in effect at the time.
2: All right. Well, let's take another break and um, we'll talk a little bit more about this right after this.
0: Do,
2: do, 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 do. All right, so uh, what are the reasons behind this? Tell There's, me now. They're myriad. <laughs> they are myriad.
1: They're myriad. And um, the, the thing is, is, critics of the gender pay gap say, this is not discrimination. Like, employers are not saying, like, you're a woman, I'm going to just, you know treat you poorly compared to your male counterparts that doesn't happen it may happen but it's not happening on a systemic scale but if you look at the explanations for this and economists have investigated this and thought long and hard about it and argued over it and really drilled down into it rather than stop talking about it right right um, it would the what's still going on is still ultimately, Gender discrimination, it's just not this nefarious handlebar mustache version of it that people look for because everyone wants a smoking gun or a gotcha moment. You know what I mean? But when you look at the explanations and the reasons behind purportedly the gender discrimination gap or the gender pay gap, it is still discrimination based on gender, most likely, and race, too. Yeah. Like, we, I, I, we shouldn't, we don't mean to undermine that or, or diminish that at all. Like, it's even worse based on race. Yeah. You know?
2: For sure. Um, there, uh, was a Freakonomics podcast episode. Uh, Mr. Dubner did a great episode in January of this year, um, that I listened to and he got, um, and you know, Freakonomics, it seems like they kind of get to the real reasons behind things. Sure. Uh, this was called The True Story of the gender pay gap. Uh, and he sat down with a a few people. One of them was Claudia golden. She's a econ professor at Harvard. So the long and short of it is after reading, uh, and listening to this was that Claudia golden and others, uh, economists have tried to compare apples to apples more and found that there are many, many reasons why there is a pay gap. Um, but I, they can't prove that discrimination is the leading cause And they think that it's probably one of the, the minor causes.
1: Well, yeah, it's most likely not a major cause at all. Like when you look at that, that mind boggling 21% gap, 79% ratio, um, when you start comparing apples to apples, most of it vanishes. But there is a mysterious, like, three, four, five percent that can't be accounted for by things like experience or educational background or what have you.
2: Well yeah and that's 3 to 5%. I mean that's too much, you know. Uh, any
1: percent is too much. Yeah. Like if there is if it, if there is gender discrimination going it should on. Should be 0%.
2: Exactly. Uh exactly. Thank you. You just said it so succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> um so one of the theories that people say um is that uh, men are better at bargaining for their salary and asking for raises yeah. and getting tough in that room right. and demanding the raise. And valuing their work more. Yeah, and valuing their work. Um, and there may be some truth to that, but um, this economist from Harvard says, well, if that were true, then you would be able to look at men and women right out of college with the same degree, getting the same job. The men should be making more money. And she said, when you look at that, they actually make almost the same thing.
1: Right. The the gender pay gap is less earlier on in the career. Right. But even if there is that small bit right there at the beginning, if you start out lower, your raises over time and your promotions over time are going to be lower, too. And that can actually accrue right. and make the gap wider, by the end of the career, which is what you see, right?
2: Yeah. And what she contends in this uh, other woman, Anne-Marie Slaughter, who is a public policy scholar who wrote a book called Unfinished Business, and uh, Mr. Dubner sat down with her too, and they kind of peg it down to, it seems like, two things. Um, Anne-Marie Slaughter calls one of them the care penalty. Yeah. Um, And it's not just having a baby and staying home with a baby. It's women are more likely... To care for their parents when they get old, mm-hmm. um, a, a sibling that needs help, mm-hmm. like you know they they have cancer and they need to come live with you, right. and I need to take time off work to care for my brother or sister. Yeah, uh, and especially children when uh, when you have kids, um, there is uh, most assuredly a care penalty because they found that men sometimes work even harder after they have a baby.
1: Right, they're staying away from home.
2: <laughs> maybe staying away from home, or maybe it hits them like I need to work harder to make more money now. Uh, whereas women yeah. fall to more like, you know, I want to care for this child. So um, I'm going to select a job that will pay less um, because it's either part time right. or it offers more flexibility.
1: Um And then I saw another interview with um, Golden, right? Is her name? Yeah. Um, and she pointed out that uh, if women are... If women are more likely to get a job that's closer to home, Uh that's more fulfilling, say, than um, something a man's looking for, then there's going to be more competition for those jobs, which is going to drive wages down just from supply and demand
2: theory. Yeah, she calls it temporal flexibility. Yeah. Women, men tend to favor income growth. Way more than women do, mm-hmm. whereas women tend to favor temporal flexibility more. Right. I want to be near the house. Yeah. So I'm not stuck in my car, so I can be around my family more. So I can be, you know, a, a better member, a, be, a, be a better family member, basically right. overall. Sure. Which is, you know, it seems like men don't care as much about that.
1: Right. And and I mean, it, it, the most overt example of this is childcare, where it's, especially in the U.S. Yeah. Um. Uh, you're lucky to get X number of days off as a father. Yeah. As a, as a uh, woman, you're, you're, you get a guaranteed three months off, 12 weeks off fi- by federal law. Yeah. Men, there's no guarantee whatsoever. Right. So you may get zero off. And that reflects this again, this gender bias, if not outright gender discrimination, that does tend to set some women back because even if they're just out for three months or something, there's they're missing out of the
2: flow of their career. Right. And there's you couldn't go on that work trip, so we're gonna send uh, you know, Josh. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So they're missing out on future promotions, future raises, um, and future experience and all of those things count for future um, uh, income, wages.
2: Yeah. And I want to rephrase what I just said, that men don't care as much about being a good family member. What I meant to say is men might have a different outlook on what is being a better family member. Uh, and in that case, it's going out and working harder to make more money. Oh yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Cause I get roughed up for being too hard on white men. <laughs> I do. We get emails all the time. Oh, I know. Chuck, why do you hate white men? I don't know. I don't hate white. I, I am a white man. And it's not self-loathing. No, I love myself. Yeah. And I love you. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, man, it just got
1: kind of warm in here. It
2: <laughs> did. So temporal flexibility is, is one of the big things. And, um,
1: and, uh, actually, Golden says that if women were allowed to work flexible hours. Right. Of their choosing, then the, the, she believes that the, the, The uh, gender pay gap might actually vanish.
2: Right. Well, and, um, Anne Marie Slaughter said if you, if you take the, the other big one is the care penalty. Mm -hmm. If you take that off the table and you don't have any caregiving obligations at all, uh, it climbs to about 95%. But there's still that 5%. Right. You know? Well, like, where is that coming from? I think that's, it, I think it's got to be discrimination.
1: I can't remember her name, but I was reading an interview in the Atlantic with a Cornell uh, economist who studies this, and she was saying um, that if you look at Europe, they're they're much more um, even or equal with their um, their paternity leave and their maternity leave, right? Actually, and um, I, I don't know that it's it's old enough to have like had a, a demonstrable effect. Yeah. But, um, I wonder if, if having something like that here in the U.S., where I, th- I don't remember the country she cited, some Scandinavian country, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the men are given, like a family is given an allotted amount of paternity or maternity time. And X amount of it has to be paternity. Right. And the dad can either use it or not, but the mom can't take that on. Right. So it's kind of like, you're going to spend some time with your kids or not? Right, right. It's up to you. Yeah. Um, And so there's a lot more guys taking that than there was before. And so there's a lot more equality and caregiving. Yeah. Which, if it's going to be, you know, which way is America going to go? Is it going to be... Women need to spend less time at home and, and get into the workforce more, or men need to spend more time at home yeah. caring for the kids and make the whole thing a, a more of an equal thing. Yeah. You know, and then maybe that'll erase some of the the uh, pay gap.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um they um in that same Freakonomics episode they kinda closed with asking uh Ms. Golden what her like what kind of legislation, what like how can you fix this? Like more laws, more laws? And she had a pretty good idea. She was like, you need to start at like the school level. Because you send your kids off to school and what happens is they get out at two or three o'clock. Uh, and unless you have, you know, want your kid to be a latchkey kid, Uh someone's going to need to be home with them. Uh, and then they're a lot of times out like for a couple of months during the summer. So someone needs to be there then. Right. So she argues for lengthening, extending school days and school, the school year Mm -hmm. such that it doesn't require
1: one of the family
2: members to have to like take off work or take a part time job for months. Yeah, instead of a full time job.
1: Well, I remember when I was a little kid, my mom was home and until I entered, I guess kindergarten.
2: Yeah, my mom quit teaching to mm-hmm. raise all three of her kids up until I was like fifteen, and then she went back to work as a yeah. teacher.
1: And then, so I mean, how much further back in her in their careers were our moms oh, from yeah. staying home? Hugely. You should not be penalized for raising two stellar sons.
2: Yeah. And I have to say, and a stellar daughter, um, this is kind of personal, but like my parents got divorced. And so divorce proceedings can get ugly. And a woman in a divorce court says, well, I took off, uh, like 18 years to raise my children. Right. And now I'm going back to school at a much lower wage than I would have mm-hmm. because like that needs to be valued. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's tough, man. You know,
1: it is. It is tough. Like we said, if there's any percentage that's based on gender discrimination or race discrimination, that's too much. Agreed. Uh yeah, I don't know what to do what the answer is. And I guess the the reason why we can't say here's the answer, because we don't fully understand which of these factors it is or what combination,
2: you know? Yeah, you know, we should just go sit down with all our fellow podcasters and talk about what we all make. <laughs> right,
1: we should. <laughs> um there's something else I noticed too, Chuck. Um If we keep going at the same rate. So there's actually a huge jump from 1980 to 1994. 35% of the pay gap that had been there before vanished. Uh And it was because women that had entered the workforce starting in the sixties gained the kind of experience to where like their wages were reflecting those of men. Yeah. That was, that's one theory behind it. But then after that, it stagnated. It's been stagnant pretty much the last decade or so. Yeah. Um, and apparently at the pace that it's going now, Twenty fifty eight is the is when um parity for white women will be reached. It's right. very frequently called like women won't reach gender or er, uh, yeah gender parity until twenty fifty eight. That's white women. If you are African American, it'd be sometime toward the end of the net, next century for an African American woman to to reach parity wow. with white men. And around the world, this is a, an issue as well. Apparently, women around the world make on average half. Of what men do around the world, half. Half, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Half. Yeah. And so the average woman in the world by 2133, um, would eat, would reach pay parity.
2: Uh, well, I have one final stat here. Just depending on what state you live in, uh, it's going to make a big difference. Uh, Washington DC leads the way, uh, as far as the smallest gender pay gap. Um, Their earnings ratio, uh, women are at 90% of men. Okay. Uh, Georgia, our own state of Georgia, is 15th on the list at 82%. And if you are a woman living in Louisiana, you have the distinction of living in the worst state in the United States uh, at a scant 65% earnings ratio. Wow. Pretty low.
1: So 35% pay gap there.
2: Yeah. Wow. Uh, and huge thanks to, uh, for that I was able to lean on that Freakonomics episode so heavily, uh, to Stephen Dubner. That was a really good episode. Yeah. And that was
1: nice of him to send you a gold thumb drive <laughs> with it on. That was very nice. The guy's got S-Subs. thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to, uh, learn more about this kind of stuff, you know, gender pay gaps and, pay disparity and wages that kind of thing that tickles economists' fancies you can type those words into the search bar at howstuffworks.com since I said search bar it's time for listener mail
2: uh, I think it was a little clumsy in that one so apologies people what? I just felt I was a little clumsy in that episode that's how
1: I felt in the tornadoes episode really?
2: Yeah. there was a lot of points I wanted to get across the right way and that's usually when I find myself oh, really? saying things exactly the wrong way yeah
1: Well, you corrected yourself on that one thing, right? Well, I tried.
2: Um, All right. I'm going to call this uh, Nostalgia, Immediate Nostalgia. Oh, yeah. From Jason Tardy. Don't be late. Hey, guys. I was recently listening to the Nostalgia Show while going on a trail run. I didn't get a chance to finish it, and later I went to listen to the podcast again. I started over from the beginning, and I skipped ahead to find where I left off, and I was hit with instant nostalgia of that trail run. Certain phrases I heard uh, you say during my run were tied with images of the beautiful trail. Every time I skipped ahead, I saw a different image and could remember exactly where I was when I had previously heard you say that phrase. It brought up warm feelings of happiness of the trail yeah. while listening to you guys. I don't know if that's nostalgia.
1: It's, uh, it's a
2: kashi. <laughs> uh, thanks for everything you do. I wish you all the best. You've been a great distraction. While training for my marathon, driving long hours on the road, as a performance artist, and keeping me sane, during the craziness of having my wife go through breast cancer while still keeping the house clean with two kids. Wow. So, Jason Tardy of Auburn, Maine, hats off to you, sir, and best of luck to your wife, and uh, good luck, Karen, for those kids.
1: Yeah, best wishes, guys.
2: Uh, Tardy family. Yeah, and we'll, we'll instantly nostalgize you whenever you want. Uh,
1: nice job. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Jason did, you can tweet to us at SYSK podcast. You can join us on facebook.com slash stuffyoushouldknow. You can send us an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
3: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
1: In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today. Or just call them at 844 900
0: RUBY. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420 foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.